This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's 2 p.m. in Memphis. Giannato and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence. Live on Memphis's sports station. 92.9 FM ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey Show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929ESPN. Dennis Fuller is producing the program for us. We're glad that he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Crucial Appeals lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. You can follow him on Twitter, at MGianato. Mark, good day, sir. So get this, Jeffrey. Interesting numbers here, just to reinforce what time of year it is and what's upon us. A fit Really in full this week with the... You get NFL preseason games. Mm. Everyone else playing preseason games this week. Week it's, one of preseason. Yes. Obviously, it's golf week here in Memphis. It's conference realignment time in college sports. But uh, this puts it all in perspective. Jeffrey, the Jets-Browns Hall of Fame game mm. uh, the other night, last Thursday, this from front office sports, averaged 6.3 million viewers on NBC. Most watched Pro Football Hall of Fame game since 2018. Rated higher than the entire 2023 NBA playoffs. The entire 2023 Stanley Cup final. As well as the Field of Dreams game in Major League Baseball. And the final, the MLS finals. More people watch the Hall of Fame game. And we have the Jets tomorrow on Hard Knocks. So, I mean, that's the question. Was this a... Is this a Jets-related thing? Because you cannot turn on ESPN and avoid Jets content. So is this is this all Jets related or is this we're just well, that just, desperate have, for have football? Have you seen the sneak preview that that Aaron Rodgers the 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 long throw Zach Wilson had from kind of near his own end zone? 
that, that Aaron Rodgers called. Oh, the, the, the assist Wilson, from Aaron Rodgers. Wilson shouted mm-hmm. it out in his press conference. We have, like, side-by-side visual, mm. video slash audio of the play happening with Rodgers and, and Wilson on Hard Knocks this week. Yeah, uh, I've, seen, I've seen that cut, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's Hard Knocks week. It's Hard Knocks week, and I feel like we'll determine very quickly whether or not it's going to be watchable. Yeah, well, if they're letting, you know, if Rodgers is letting him, you know, mic him up on the sideline like that, maybe? I mean, yes, that to me, like, that that would be, I mean, to me, it's all about how much access do we get to Rodgers, how much access are we going to get to, you know, they're trying to put a team together, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that. those are the things I think that are interesting. Well, but all in all, relatively it, slow sports weekend in terms of competition. We had, like, you know, had the obviously the the women's soccer team losing early on. Mm-hmm. What was that early Saturday morning? Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the Wyndham Championship on the PGA Tour, which was weird because the most exciting part was watching a guy who was trying to finish in the seven in, finish seventieth in the in the FedEx Cup standings. Well, then Justin you, Thomas. It also got rained out, and then also if you're someone that has Directv or UVerse in town, you can't watch WREG. So yeah. That's going to be something that the, that might well, be. Well, no, a, it's NBC this week. I, oh, I, it's NBC that, this part, week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought that was going to be an issue okay. locally, but it's NBC. Are you sure it's NBC? Pretty certain because they, they were running promos for the FESJC on NBC Sports. Okay. Double check because that used to always be a – that used to always be a uh, – the first week used to always be no, a – No, it's, uh, it's CBS. No, because I, I – I, it is CBS. Okay, so maybe they were saying so golf you have channel. So AT and yeah. T and Directv. Yeah, congratulations. You need to you go. Gotta to go you're gonna have to go see it or CBSSports.com. <laughs> you, you can watch the early rounds on golf. The early portion. You of can the watch round the on early golf portion channel. on golf channel. And probably Thursday, Friday. You can watch on CBS Sports because I I've, I was keeping tabs. Okay, well, on that's CBS good. You can Sports stream app. it a little bit, but you know, and then obviously, I it felt like this weekend after how stunning Friday was from a conference. Uh, realignment perspective felt like the weekend everyone kind of was gathering themselves and coming to terms with what what have we wrought here um and so that's what that's how i think we should start off overreaction monday okay um we should overreact to the overwroughtness of all of this um we got we got a big show though 240 or so jason munz will join us fresh off fresh back freshly back from the dominican republic um and uh i think we need to delve into like we need SummerSlam. No, well, SummerSlam, but we need. I I want to hear. I want to hear Munz's thoughts on the like on what it was like being, in the in the dr in the dr. Like mm-hmm. I want. We want. I want the lowdown on the dr. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Jason Munz will join us. He'll give us his thoughts on Memphis basketball and all that. Um, three o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. apparently had a very good uh, training camp with Team USA. We'll uh, explain what that means. C.J. Stroud uh, apparently very quickly has uh, I mean, I endeared think, himself to— uh, I think the most interesting aspect of preseason week one is, like, who's going to start this? Everyone's playing a game. Everyone's yeah. got a preseason game. Who are we gonna actually going to get to see? Yeah, so we'll talk a little NFL. Lionel Messi keeps just tearing up scoring goals soccer. in very quick fashion. Uh, and then we'll talk a little golf to close things out because it is golf week. Um, and surprise, we're going to be broadcasting— Mm-hmm. golf tournament tomorrow. So uh, we'll talk a little FedEx St. Jude Championship and everything going on in the PGA Tour world since they are coming to our 
they're they're here in town this week. Uh, but let's start with some overreactions. Let's start with conference realignment. Now that the it appears at least for the momentarily some dust has settled. Uh, now the carnage has been has been inflicted on what we thought we once knew about college sports in terms of conference alignment. You know, now you have the Big Ten with Oregon and Washington. You have the Big Twelve with Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. And you have the Pac-4, which, if it does survive, in will be in name only, the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever it is, whatever it's going to be. Pac-4? Pac-4 right now. Um, and I guess right now the attention turns to what are Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State going to do, slash what is the remnants of the Pac-12 going to do in terms of they still technically are a conference officially right now, and can they merge or add teams to try and, and they survive? Poach, yeah. You know, like they're they're hanging by their fingernails off a cliff, and I guess there's like a slight possibility they could climb their way up, but it feels like someone's st- the Big Twelve is standing on their fingers right now. Well, or the pack the pack four. Yeah, the Pac-4. The, oh, the Big the, you're saying Big 12, yeah. Like the Big 12 has gone. Oh, no, the, no they, they pushed them off yeah, the cliff. They, they pushed them. And, and like they they're, walked, they're hanging on no, like Mufasa and Lion no, King right they, now. They pushed them and walked away. And like, is Scar going to come and just give the final push here? No, I liked your original. It's like Cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, it's a good classic 80s action movie where you're focusing on the hands. The Big 12 pushed them over, and we're waiting to see whether or not they're going to fall to their death or if they can hang on just yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Um. I think though there's two like if we're talking timeline, which is kind of what you're what you're alluding to, I think there's these interesting two timelines going. So the timeline that you just referenced, like what is what's the pack four's next move, or do they have moves? Are they gonna get absorbed? Are some gonna make a move or not? I think simultaneously you have this other question though of what is Florida State gonna do? Because mm-hmm. if Florida yeah. State, if they're going to... Is this just another tantrum, or is this something... Well, they have, if they're going to leave, if they intend to leave the conference for 24, they have to announce by next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that other timeline. And to me, like that's kind of where, okay, are we going to get... Because if Florida State announces that, I think there could be even more instability... But is We've it got all- some breaking news there we via go. Pete Thamel. Sources, this is Pete Thamel of ESPN, sources in the next 24 hours, there are two calls for the ACC to vet and have early exploratory discussions on the potential addition of Cal and Stanford. One is for ACC athletic directors and the other for the league's presidents and chancellors. It's a fluid landscape for the four leftover Pac-12 schools and there's myriad options being discussed. This is one of them. So there you go. There's. I think if you are, um, if you are rooting for Memphis here, I think you don't want to see the ACC add Stanford and Cal. I think that's probably right for a couple of reasons. Number one, if they add Stanford and Cal, you have pointed this out about how snobby the ACC is about mm-hmm. academic prestige and whatnot. Yes. That does not bode well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be curious to know, like, how is the heck is that going to work? I mean. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, what's the closest school in the ACC to them? Is it Louisville? <laughs> I guess, yeah. Is there anyone west of Louisville? Um, in the ACC. All right, so we know the Florida schools aren't like Pitt. We, I guess is maybe similar to yeah, Louisville. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know. know. I got, that's one of those ones where on the map, on the map, it looks like it's east of Louisville to me, but at the same time, like you could tell me, oh no, if you actually flatten it out, it would be further. But I would presume, I'd presume Louisville's the closest school to. Berkeley or Palo Alto. Yeah, Louisville is much further west. Okay, so I also, though, would like to see... I would like to know, who do you think's instigating that meeting? Because this is, I think... This is, I think, one of the more interesting questions. Well, Cal we, has also called a board meeting to discuss this Pac-12 situation as well. Well, so... today. I think... I think one of the most difficult things to do about conference realignment is answer this first question. Who's in charge? Uh, no one. Because I do think we can actually answer it. It's like someone at Fox. And he, who, so who there's like in, a couple guys at Fox. Who and is in charge for the Big Ten? It's Fox. Yeah, someone at Fox. Someone at Fox is in charge. Yeah. Because the Big Ten was all set and ready to, to add Stanford and Cal, and Fox was like, no, you're not. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. Who is in charge with the ACC? I mean, you've got essentially half of the league would that, declaring war on ESPN to get out of this contract. The, the, the thought would be you add them because you know Florida State's going to leave and you might lose someone else, and this is a preemptive way to fill it, right? That's why okay, you do it. So the reason why I ask who is in charge, mm-hmm. the reason why I ask who's in charge because it – Feels like now with ESPN, one of ESPN's concerns, like I do laugh how everyone's like ESPN's the bad guy, the bad guy right now. Uh, ESPN has done less than Fox has. Fox has just like completely uprooted the system. But the issue for ESPN currently right now is who do they have under contract past next year on the West Coast? And so I guess the thought would be. You're going to add some West Coast games, and this is a, a a manner in which you could do it. But I I would be very curious. The reason why I want to know is who is instigating this meeting because what would make sense to me is that Stanford and Cal, they spent all weekend looking at their options, and they have no good options. And so if they're the ones calling for this meeting, that makes sense because at least in their in their elitist mind, like, there's still some prestigious academic schools there, and they're sitting there going, well, well, we'll figure the details out later. If it's the ACC, then it begs the question of, is this ACC president-inspired? Is this commissioner-inspired? Or is this uh, ESPN's telling the ACC to take this meeting? I got, those are the questions that I have. Is like, who mm-hmm. who is in charge of wanting this meeting? To me... If they're meeting about it, it would suggest to me that they've gone through the preliminary round of is TV cool with this? Okay, here would be the here would be the counter to that. Mm-hmm. If you're the ACC and you just watched the Pac-12 get basically nuked in 72 hours, mm-hmm. and one of the key takeaways from well, how did that happen? How did a conference of 100 plus years all of a sudden get nuked like that? 
Well, it's because they sat back and did nothing yeah. while everyone else was. No, and to the credit, I don't, you know, it's obviously it was a different commissioner with Swafford. One thing Swafford did well was in the early stages of realignment, he was more aggressive than other, other, yes. like he, like the ACC ultimately is the, like the, they didn't deal the death blow to the Big East necessarily, but they basically did all the damage. Yeah. Like they, they're the one, you know, ultimately if you go, but who actually killed the Big East, it was probably the, the ACC actually did it by luring a bunch of those schools there. Yeah. I think you make the argument the Big East killed the Big East, but yeah. at the same time, the ACC put the gun on the table. Like they were the aggressor back in yeah. the early days of, I mean, they took all, they took all of their big brands. Yes. And so it's all interesting because, you know, now you've got this carnage. Like we're starting to hear, what happened here, you know, in all this, like the Arizona president, Bobby, Bobby Robbins is speaking today. And I, I don't know if you believe this, but he says Friday morning, the pack nine at that point was quote, expecting to show up together and sign in blood, our grant of rights over to the pack 12 conference. Um, then apparently he, he couldn't, he, a president, from either Washington or Oregon, he wouldn't name who, informed him 10 minutes before the meeting that they were taking their talents to the Big 12. I believe it was Oregon, because I think Washington did the move of, well, obviously we want to go, but like we, we, I, I think it was Oregon. Um, and then he compared this Apple TV offer of, uh, of you know subscription goals that they would have to meet to uh, selling candy bars for Little League. It's so funny because did you happen to see any of the Arizona State uh, Crow, oh, their yeah, president? And then, well, and then, and their, their president, well, because their president, if you go back, their president has basically been like the de facto commissioner. Yes, he's he the was guy like, that he was like m- guiding Larry Scott during all of his correct. mistakes. And now he's gotten a parachute out of the out of the car out of the damage he wrought. And then you also had their AD saying like, "I'm not going to Morgantown," which is yeah. like, what a way to sit there. Like, what? Well, it's just not the fan base. I, I, yeah, I, you know, know, I would I, not want to rile up West Virginia fans. Yeah, there's like, there's a certain level of like, you know, just be like, I don't want to go to Waco. As someone like, as someone who has gone to games in both basketball and football in, in Morgantown. And I'm familiar with that fan base. Uh, I you better hope now you don't go to Morgantown, yeah. Ray Anderson. That, <laughs> you that, better hope. But like the other thing that was just so fascinating, and it's like it's so easy, of course, to blame like the Larry Scotts of the world and the George Klyavkovs of the world. But then there is also like this element of if you know kind of behind the scenes how things work, it's like those guys don't operate unilaterally. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in the end. The, one of the one of the Pac-12's biggest problems, and this was always USC's complaint, was that the two the two most influential leaders were the longtime Oregon State athletic director and Crow, the Arizona State president. Like that would be like the Big Ten essentially letting Purdue and like Minnesota run the sh- like run the joint and. Like that was just always going to be a foolproof plan, or uh, that's just uh, that that plan was always just doomed to fail. But then you had Crow talking about like Mark, there was going to be some Star Trek type ish in this Apple TV plan that he had put together. Excuse me, that George had put together. Like it was just so obvious that it's like, oh, he was the guy that was like 
trying to sell this, and then everyone in the room is like, are you serious, dude? Like, yeah. well, what? Well, and then you've got another report today from Eric Prisbell, one of my former colleagues at the Washington Post, who now works for On3.com. He's reporting that the AAC would be open to any of the four remaining Pac-12 schools coming to the AAC, and it gets me to what I've been kind of chomping on over the weekend, in that there's been this thought, there's this, not just thought, it, it appears the Pac-12, as we said, hanging by that cliff, is trying to pull itself up in some form or fashion, and it'll be some bizarro version of the league, you know, with at most four teams that you actually recognize as the Pac-12. Um, uh, I don't even know if it's going to be four, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, maybe two. Um, but there's this thought, okay, the Pac-12 can maybe merge with the a- the Mountain West, maybe mer- maybe bring in some AAC teams, and, you know, it's not the Pac-12 of old, but, you know, that's a pretty good football league if you can get, you know, San Diego State, Boise, Colorado State, Okay, but like, whatever. And here are the problems with that. Mm -hmm. Number one, if you quote unquote merge, Mm -hmm. there's not been a plan in which I've seen in which they're just taking the remaining pack four Mm -hmm. and adding it to the Mountain West. Like, basically, what they're saying is like, well, we'll take what we want from the Mountain West Mm -hmm. and. And, and bring in some others. Right. And, and that means those Mountain West teams are going to pay exit fees. $34 because that's what they held San Diego State to. No, I think it would have to be a merger for it to work. And then on top of that, like, how does that merger work? Yeah. Does it, do you do you keep the name? Because. Sounds an, sounds an awful lot like something Memphis went through, what, thir- 10 years ago. Yes, this sounds like the Big East all over again. Um, And so there's this thought of, well, this, you know, that would be a better league than what Memphis is in right now. And I think that's right from a football perspective. Like in terms of just football, if you had Oregon State, Washington State, Boise, Colorado State, you know, um, San Diego State. Are we saying long term or are we saying like. I'm saying like for the time being, because what's long term in college football now? That's uh, that's more than fair. that's probably correct. It's probably a better that, football league. That's probably correct. But I don't correct. know how much value it has in terms of, like... Well, it doesn't have a TV deal. Yeah, like, it doesn't have a TV deal. And, oh, by the way, it means you're going to have to ship your, like, women's tennis team and your whatever out to San Diego and uh, Corvallis and Pullman. And so, like, this idea, like... Whereas with the Big 12, it was like, if they, if they, if they offer you $10 million... And you have to make up the difference. You take that bid from the Big 12. Like, that was kind of the position I felt Memphis was in. No matter what they offered so you, you. You essentially wanted what Memphis Memphis to do with the Big 12. Essentially what Oregon and Washington yes. just did. Whatever they all, whatever bone they threw to you, the Big 12. Like, the position Memphis was in and the position the Big 12 was in, Memphis had to take whatever it could get. Because let's be clear what Washington and Oregon did last week. This is why I don't believe a lot of this talking stuff. You could tell me... Here's, here's what I would buy, Mark, and you tell me if I'm being a little too skeptical. You could tell me that Klyavkov worked out a deal with Apple where it was like going to be short-term, maybe like two years. The, 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 the bullet, Athletic like wrote a, a story, if you're to believe the Athletic's reporting, it reported that the, the initial deal was $23 million, that they base, then, base base, and then that they negotiated up to $25 million, and then that was going to be the base. And then if they got over 1.7 million subscribers, 
that would take would them the, above the Big 12. That would take them above the Big 12. And then if they 12. got 5 million subscribers, they was going to be 50 million or yes, something like that. Yes. And the problem is, now, you know, this is a little skewed because NFL Sunday ticket was only on DirecTV. But, like, last year, for instance, the NFL only had, like, 2 million digital subscribers for its for Sunday ticket. You really think the Pac-12 Apple subscriptions? For instance, Lionel Messi has only generated, I like, 1.3 or something. Oh, and I think of new new ones, I think it's like 800. Yeah, I think like total the MLS yeah. package. Because I think MLS, when they first started selling this deal, I think they had like three or 400, mm-hmm. and Messi has taken them over yeah. to one. 1.7 was going to be really, really difficult. Really, really, <laughs> really spent, ridiculously without, difficult. Without the LA markets, that number mm-hmm. was going to be very difficult to reach. Yes. And so. Now, it did have an out clause. This is what was reported. If like the deal wasn't working. It was only technically a three-year deal. They had an out after year three. You could you could talk me into this scenario playing out. Arizona State had been clear because they made it. Crow made it clear when he was talking with reporters at at practice over the weekend. They did not do this like they went kicking and screaming. Yes, and the whole time. So what you could tell me is that Arizona Board of Regents when they met last week, you could tell me that it was decided, whatever you're doing, you're doing together. We're not going to have this situation where one of you goes here, one goes there, and then we're going to have to deal with the money and fans and all this crap. Like, you're both doing the same thing. And you could talk me into Robbins knowing that inevitably where this was headed, which is there's a 0.0% chance that Washington and Oregon are really going to follow through on this so let's just play it out and then eventually it just goes exactly where where it was I the more and more I've thought about it and I've listened to lots listened to and read lots of reporting on this and all these people that are saying like no this was up in the air on Friday morning I just don't buy it because in the end Washington and Oregon the the piece of news, the piece of reporting that solidified it for me was it front office who had the who had the numbers for Washington, Oregon from the Big Ten? Who got that number? Who reported um, that? I can't remember. Whoever, because essentially what they did is I think they're taking thirty million for five years, and it escalates. Might have been Thamel. No, someone else had it for. Because uh, nah, whatever. But it was basically what it was was. It starts at 30, it escalates mm-hmm. 1 million per year, mm-hmm. and the other things is like Fox is going to kick in a little on travel, and I think they could borrow against some of the contract for like debt purposes, but essentially what it said was they were taking about the exact same amount of money over the five-year window that the schools that were heading to the Big 12 took. So that to me was like, because, you know, originally you were hearing of the 70 million, you know, Washington, Oregon, they're only going to get like 50. When you saw that they were taking 30 to start, that told me all I needed to know. They made the decision that they were going to the Big Ten come hell or high water. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to get the best number that they could. And basically they got the same amount of money that they would have gotten for going to the Big 12. Well, the larger point is if I'm Memphis – I'm thinking long and hard before I accept an invitation 
to the deranged Pac-12 or the demented or the deformed, whatever you want to call it, whatever that league is going to be that maybe could come calling because, I don't know. I would want to, I would do it only if it was on my terms. I wouldn't do it on their terms. Like, I would not be signing over my grant of rights. I wouldn't, you know, because, like, it just feels feels really risky in a league that, you know, it appears like you are, you're in a better league than the Mountain West right now, I think. I think. I, yeah. You, I, you have a better TV deal than the Mountain West right yeah, now. Yeah, you, you do. Yeah. And then we think, we don't know how much it's going to have to be, because there is, we don't know how much it changes at, after the loss of UCF, Houston, Cincinnati. But yes, I, I think you're right. No, they kept, they were kept whole. That's how, okay, then that's, that's what Oresco has said. They were kept whole by ESPN with the teams they added. And I'm sure that comes for free. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, Listen, you, you know, it comes with like you know you're you're willing to play Thursdays, Fridays. You're willing you do whatever ESPN tells you to do. Mm. You know, we had Tuesday opens. Yeah, Tuesday like, openings. Mm. I think that's just that's just the reality. But I would just I I I would be patient because how far away are we from a nine thirty kickoff? Not far. It feels like yeah. Because even like you've brought it up for weeks now that you think ultimately the best destination for Memphis. Is the ACC? Yeah, I mean, in if you want to do form. if you want to do overreactions, my overreaction is ign- ignore what is happening to the West, mm. and I am doing everything in my power over the next however long it is. I am getting my entire resume. I am doing, I'm doing everything. I'm I'm taking the Louisville approach, mm-hmm. in which listen, I can't make I can't make us into Harvard overnight, but. I'm gonna. I'm doing everything from an academic profile to make myself look good to the ACC. I am doing. I am figuring out what they value, mm-hmm. and I am trying to fit my resume to look for everything that they want. Because if indeed you're going to actually elevate yourself, mm-hmm. that is the only path that I see. And, and otherwise, in your mind, otherwise you might as well just stay in the AAC. I don't even know if I think I don't even know if it's like oh we'll stay in the AC. I don't even think you have any other options. I don't think mm. the big I don't buy this the Big 12 is going to keep keep expanding. I do, They might keep expanding, but it'll be to add Florida State or someone like that if they get bypassed by SEC Yeah, and, but big uh, the problem when everyone keeps doing the okay, let's go to the Big 12 from the ACC. The ACC is still giving you like $35 million until 2036. Yeah. Why are you leaving that mm-hmm. to go to the Big 12? Like, yeah, that's true. Like, th- that doesn't make any sense to me. And the thing that you're like, if you can have the stars align, the best path for Memphis is Florida State, Clemson, Carolina, and. Like Miami, who are all committed to trying to be serious contenders in football, mm-hmm. they find a way out. And then the ACC, like that's a big blow to the ACC. Mm-hmm. That's not a kill shot. Mm-hmm. And you somehow latch on like to you that and UConn because and... what you don't need to happen is, and this is not a. Th- like a line that well, who would they be competing against? Like, let's say they that does happen to the ACC. 
Who are the other schools they'd be competing with? It'd be like USF would be in the mix there. Maybe maybe SMU, Memphis, maybe Tulane. I mean, we're kind of we. You're kind of running out of options. I mean, that's if what it's going to be on the Eastern Seaboard. UConn yeah. would probably be UConn's in that mix. Gonna, it's going to be the same. It's the same schools that you're in the mix with right now. I mean, the Except, first thing would you eliminate those schools out west? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Is like first you have to answer. Okay, how serious is this meeting? With Cal and Stanford. Stanford, yeah. Because the other overreaction that I've had from this weekend, wake me up when we go to where this is inevitable, which is football is just going to be its own thing. Because you think that's happening? I just don't think the I don't think the situation that we're looking at is tenable for at all for other sports. Yeah, I just don't I don't see how it's possible. And also, there's going to come a point where these leagues are just not going to want to keep funding it. AKA the TV networks are not going to want to keep funding it. And so mm-hmm. just make football be its own thing and then have come up with regional conferences. We see this. You've seen it at uh, Michigan. Mm-hmm. The hockey team doesn't play in the big 10 or what? what is well, it? They do now. They, they when didn't... I was in college, they did not play in the big, there was no big 10 hockey conference because not enough schools in the big 10. Well, it's like it. BYU, BYU. After they left the mountain West, they went independent in football and they're in the West Coast Conference in all other sports. Like, start having these regional leagues that are these regional leagues that make it possible to have intercollegiate athletics. Mm-hmm. Because that's where this, to me, is that's where this could is all you, headed. Could you reasonably call this the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, with Stanford and Cal in it? That'd be a bridge too far in my book. The PACC? Yeah, the the Coast Conference. Yeah, the co- both Coast Conference. But I don't think you could call it ACC. It's too much of a misnomer. Like it's one thing, like if Memphis was in it, you could at least say like, okay, it's like on the Eastern Seaboard. Tennessee still, still touches North Carolina. It's contiguous. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you know, yeah, contiguous. That's the right way to. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's also though. There is like this element of like, what the hell are we doing here? Because no, it's good. Friday is where it seems to have officially jumped the shark in terms of like, what are you people doing? Right. And it's like, okay, if we're just trying to make a football league, then I think that's like my whole point. It's like, I, I, because I know you were starting to get annoyed by like the, this is the end of college sports and whatnot. And I'm with you. Like, there was definitely some hysteria on Friday. It's not the end of college sports. I, if anything, I think sh- in the short term, like next year when these changes go into effect, the college football reigns. This is my prediction. I put this on Twitter, and some people really got annoyed by it. But, like, the ratings will be higher than ever. That is my prediction next season. <sighs> I mean, probably. Like, I don't like, – you know what I mean? If you go through the ratings from last year, like – of the 20, there were like 19 or 20 games that got 5 million or more viewers last year. All of them included, you know, we're featuring Big Ten or SEC teams by and large. Right, and I guess that's like my whole point of like, just can we just like hit fast forward and get to that point? Because you want even more fast forward because it, it felt pretty fast forwardy late last week. Felt like we skipped a few steps. Well, I mean, that's like the other the other irony when I'm sitting there looking at this. It's like we're making basically 
impactful decisions in like 48 hours right now. And it's like if the NFL wants to make like add a new team or move whatnot, it's like there's like a five year process, Mark. And like we're basically just like making these decisions willy nilly and not really concerned with like what the problems that future us might deal with. But I mean, there's just no way that there's no way that this thing's sustainable. Hmm. Not long term, no. I mean, someone's gonna have to like. Uh, how on earth? Like, I understand Stanford if they want to go tap into their endowment, like they can pay and make this work. But they've never been able to do that. Remember Stanford? What was it like four or five years ago? Remember they were gonna cut like eleven sports? Yeah, and, and there was like a stepped in. Yeah, there was like a mutiny like over our dead bodies. No, I thought Pat Forty made an interesting point. Like, like for instance, like on the swimming world, Cal yeah. and Stanford are like huge for our Olympic teams. Yeah, and but now like, like you know they're not going to be able to support that stuff as well. Much. Then there's like Cal's Cal's finances are a mess when it comes to athletics. Like I, I don't even know. like if if that happens. Like what is Cal apparently it was two hundred million in debt service on some stadium renovation they did a decade ago. Well, I mean that's the other thing. Like Oregon State, largely like they're they're opening their new stadium that was like one hundred forty million. But that was largely borrowed. Like how are they going to fund that? I mean this is. It, like, we can all understand, like, everyone is chasing money, but there's also this question of, like, are you chasing money today that inevitably is, like, like, you can't agree at this point. Chasing this dollar is contingent upon, in seven years, that linear TV is still not only a thing, but it's still, like, you know, you can't lose probably more than, what another twenty percent of of content subscribers, whether it be Direct TV, whether it be satellite cable, like we're now at a point where like this thing better keep going on because everyone's saying right now, well, like network TV is still going to be there and whatnot. It's like I don't well, know. I saw, I saw so David Teal, who's uh, like the dean of ACC writers, he had a column today in the Richmond Times Dispatch, and he had this interesting point about like, for instance, the ACC, but this applies sure. to all leagues. Like, I think it was like 20 years ago or 25 years ago, if you looked up the ACC's tax returns, its media rights accounted for like 47% of its revenue. Yeah. Today, it's like 82% of the league's revenue is media rights money. And so, like, they, at your point, yeah. like, the entire enterprise has become so reliant on this money now that, like, if it goes away, in any form or fashion, as we saw with the Pac-12, you collapse. Yes, because everyone's just banking on this one mm-hmm. revenue stream. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the real question becomes is, all right, there's always going to be, we can acknowledge, we're going to consume content in some form or fashion. But, Mark, if this ends up like the linear bidders go away, one thing that was very obvious with Apple and maybe the lesson to be learned, Apple's not going to sit there and overpay. Like when you get tech involved, tech goes, "All right, here's what you're here's what you're worth and maybe we bump in some like if you bring in new subscriptions, we'll we'll throw in some multipliers and whatnot, but like it's it's not going to be this like 
all right, it's a free, there's, you know, essentially the reason why, another big reason why the Pac-12 is going away, ESPN and Fox determined, okay, we have this amount of money, like $31 million per school, and only one of you can survive. And the Big 12 jumped the line and goes, we'll take it right now. When everyone's like, oh, they took a deal that uh, is less than what they're worth. Well, look at what we just saw last weekend. Oregon and Oregon State, or bigger, Oregon and Washington just got a reduced rate of about $32.5 million from the Big 10. The other schools that went to the Big 12 got the 31.7, and everyone else is left scrambling. Well, not ever, you know what I mean? Like, there's how many other teams out there worth $30 million a year? It doesn't seem like there are any. Whew. Man. So, so our, the official stance of the show is Memphis should be going full bore for the ACC. Don't bother with the, don't bother with those hanger ons. If they want to join you in the AAC, by all means. Listen, if the AAC is into blondes, go dye your hair. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're, it's making yourself look as fit as possible to what the ACC's into. Mm, okay. All right, we'll save we'll save the coach's poll for second hour. Let's talk some Tiger basketball with Jason Munz, who will join us next. He was down in the Dominican Republic. He joins us next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. ESPN. Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Jason Munz is the Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He joins us each and every Monday on the program. You can follow him on Twitter, at Munsley or on X, whatever. I think I guess all of our icons flipped over to X this weekend, it seemed like. Yeah, mine officially did it this yeah, morning. I think everybody did that. Munz, what are we listening to? Hey, Jeffrey, this is Good Times Are So Hard to Follow by Swerve Driver. What's by the inspiration? Swerve Driver? Oh, I think I can see where this is going. Is that is Swerve? Is the band the, the relevant aspect? Because it sounded like uh, there's nothing but Swerve Drivers in the Dominican Republic. 
it's actually not, honestly. Like, the song title, I thought, like, you know, last week was a good time. And, and so, I mean, but but as I was sitting here listening to it, I was like, oh, yeah, the, the Swerve Driver. And, and yes. Because so yeah, like I was about to say, thing. was it a good time, Muns? Because from some of my conversations, it sounds like... Uh... Sounds like it was a you had a more difficult assignment than you than just going to the beach down there in the Dominican. Well, here we go with Mark leaving out a key word: private conversations. I uh. thought they were, but now we're gonna now we're gonna throw it all out there. No, it was it was it was challenging. It was there were there were elements of the trip that were that were uh, uh, yeah they were a challenge, but. Uh, but I got by. I mean, you know, I, I will say this. Uh, What's more difficult, driving on 240 or driving the streets of the Dominican Republic? All right. So there's. I've thought about this for a long time. I've had a lot of time to think about this, uh, this very thing. Because for, for those who are, who are listening who don't know, I did not stay with the team on the resort uh, or at the resort where the team stayed. I uh, uh, was at a separate hotel about 20 minutes away, 25 minutes away, depending on the traffic. And It was nicer, uh, right? You were staying at the nicer hotel, right? Yeah, of right? course. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, totally. If you're not picking up on the sarcasm, the resort was extremely nice. And I believe the resort was called Hilton Garden yeah, Inn. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. Munns was on a uh, Gannett uh, salary. There you go. Yeah, no, yeah, like the Hilton Garden Inn definitely did not have a movie theater that was showing Barbie and Oppenheimer. It definitely did not have a full-scale, well, not a full-scale, I mean, it was like there, there was a section of the resort that was a replica of a 16th century Mediterranean village. Okay, um, nice. Like with a, with a huge amphitheater that uh, uh, next Saturday is hosting one of the, the greatest merengue artists of all time. Um, so anyway, yeah, I was at the Hilton Garden Inn. Only and, three golf uh, courses at the Garden Inn, not five. <laughs> yeah, exactly, not five. Not uh, not Teeth of the Dog. There's there's a golf course on the resort called Teeth of the Dog, which uh, I thought was a, a very um, creative creative name. But uh, but yeah, like the drive. Yeah, it was. It's driving there is is definitely it's different. So that, getting back to your question, like here. People go very fast, and you kind of have to – that's, you know, like stuff kind of happens out of nowhere sometimes, uh, comes out of nowhere. There, the streets are smaller, um, obviously, and, 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 like, there's way more traffic, but it, it's, it's moving very slowly, and you're in extremely close quarters at all times. Um, and, and not only that, there's – I would say the dirt bike slash moped uh, slash motorcycle is probably, I don't know if it's two to one to, to, to automobiles, but mm. it's, it's, it's more than one to one. And those things are zipping by you and, and in front of you and behind you and around you uh, constantly. And um, it's like, it's like no matter where you go, or, or how fast you're going or how slow you're going, there's always this swarm. It feels like, you know, you're walking along down the, down the sidewalk and you pass by a hornet's nest or a bee's nest or something and they start 
They sounds like what Main Street was this weekend. People were telling me Main Street because that no, this, biker rally. The, what that this was sounds in town like, was like that this, this sounds weekend. like to me like driving in L.A. where I used to always have this like you don't you're not moving quickly anywhere, but then you have right. these you have these bikes that are just like zipping in and out. And I used to always have this fantasy after sitting in traffic for about an hour and a half. Just what would happen one time if I just opened my door? Is this guy's like? Coming up eighty miles an hour behind me, and like just just wanted to see how far he could fly, but and I never capitalized on that. Yeah, the uh, the the um, car horns were ever present. Like if you weren't beeping your car horn, then you were kind of like an outcast. It was it was, but I will say, uh, like these last couple of days since I've been back, getting back adjusted to driving here, it's like it's it's just you know six of one and half dozen of the other, like. I don't think either side is either either uh, option is like worse than the other. Okay, yeah, right. that makes sense. Like in the end, like it, you just weren't used to it. That's why. It yeah, was, that's why it yeah. was difficult. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Hell yeah. It was, um, it was. And plus, plus, I should also say, uh, as soon as I picked up my rental car, I was like, I had just pulled out of the 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 budget <laughs> parking lot and. I had to go back through the airport to get out of the airport uh, or, you know, away from the airport in Santa Domingo where I flew into. And it was, it was bumper to bumper, fender to fender, door to door traffic. And the car died car overheating. <laughs> um, that sounds about right. I was, while I was just mass amount and it was it was it was, it was it was it was like only 70 degrees, right? It was fine without any, uh, yeah, no, yeah. You didn't the, need the AC. Oh, yeah. Oh, get out of here. The heat index was like 115. <laughs> and uh, so I made the whole trip, the whole hour and 45-minute trip to La Romana that day with no air conditioning. Oh, with the God. Rolled down Did you just show up dripping in sweat to the, the I did. Luckily, you weren't staying at the resort. They, they wouldn't yeah, like, let you What in. happened to you? <laughs> no, I just, we don't serve your kind here. Because I did not want to, uh, like, you know, break down or overheat on the on the highway <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, to La Romana. But also, shout out Mrs. Burke, my uh, high school Spanish teacher. Like, I, you you go through your life and you're like, you know, oh, I don't remember anything about high school. You know, like Spanish. Like, I don't I don't know anything. And then you get there and it's like a switch flips. Like, you you kind of start stuff starts coming back to you and more and more and more. And so, yeah, I got by. I got by. All right. Okay. Um, well, it sounds like you might have to go back at some point because Penny, after last night's game, told like the local uh, Dominican Republic TV crew, uh, we'll, I'll, we'll be back to the Dominican Republic. Sounds God, like he must have loved those golf courses. <laughs> sounds like they had a great time. Um, it seemed to me, especially the first two games, while they were close games, like that's it kind of served exactly the purpose you would want out of a trip like this. They were challenged and seemed to respond well to being challenged in kind of their first setting as a team or first situations as a team. Uh, you were down there in person. You know, it, it, how successful of a trip do you think it is? Do you think it was just based on your observations? Well, I think it's got the potential right? Potential to be like way more valuable than your garden variety preseason international trip. I mean, I wrote about this today. We, you know, you look back, like you compare this one to the Bahamas four years ago and it's kind of night and day. I mean, 
you know, I went back and read some of the stories from the Bahamas trip, and they got pushed a little bit. I think they were maybe even down at halftime in that first game against the Bahamian national team, but they ended up winning by 10. And then they were never tested again the rest of the, the, rest of the trip there. I want to say they won by 75 in that third game, uh, leaving the island. And so it was like, you know, the whole point of these things for most everybody, for most every program is to like, you know, get some reps in and bond like that's, you know, get closer as a, as a group and get to know each other and that sort of thing. Um, I think all that happened for Memphis on this trip, but it was, it was like, you know, Lester Quinones and David Jones and Justin Manaya on and LJ Figueroa on the, on the, Dominican national team and you're playing in front of 8,000 people with David Ortiz in the front row and uh, uh, Francisco Garcia sitting right next to your bench. Um, and, and, and it's not just 8,000 people sitting on their hands. Okay. It's, it is hostile in there and loud and, and not just loud here and there. It's loud every single time the Dominican national team makes a bucket or gets a steal I mean, you could you could feel like if they got a steal and and they were about to go out on a fast break, you could it was it was like this just you know uh, th- there was just this swell of noise in this fifty year old arena uh, that that had it had AC, but it just didn't work very well, and you know so anyway it was like super hot and um, I don't know I wrote about this in my story that published this morning at commercialappeal.com, I think if I was like having to give people an idea of exactly what Memphis saw in terms of um, competitiveness and skill like level that, that, you know, comparing it to something that uh, people might be able to recognize. I, I would say that the Dominican national team compared pretty favorably, maybe not to this past year's Houston team, but maybe the year before with Taze Moore and uh, uh, some of those other guys where I, I think that was the one Houston team in the last four years that didn't like go on a deep run, but they're an NCAA tournament team and they were um, always very competitive and ranked and all that stuff. Like I kind of compare the Dominican national team to that. And then the second game um, where they're playing a guy who's 39 years old they're, 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 they're playing a guy who's 26, who was the uh, MVP of the Indonesian champion uh, uh, of the team that won a, a, the championship in the Indonesian basketball league, played at Texas Tech and also Florida. Um, you know, they're, they're playing these guys who are fast and old and physical and, and wily and crafty. Was Penny recruiting them? Uh, yeah, I was about to say, isn't that the, yeah. that this Memphis team? That kind of describes this Memphis team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it did, and and I, I mean, like that second game with uh, with with some of those older guys, I was kind of thinking might have might have people. You, you you look at that one, and you might see Tulane from this past year with Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes and Kevin Cross. You know, it, it, that's so. The, to get back to the original point is yes, like I think this trip is going to be beneficial in ways that. They'll be talking about, you know, a lot. Some people may be talking about months and months down the road. Uh, it, it, it wasn't just going down there, having a good time, uh, uh, learning a little bit about your about your teammates. It, this was this was learning a lot about your teammates and yourself. Who impressed you the most 
in over the course of these two, three games? The most. I guess who are the standouts okay. in your mind? Like who come, you know, if you were to go, okay, these were the top five on the trip. Who were the top five on the trip? Okay, Jaquan Walton. I think even though he only played two games, I mean, you know, he had 27 and 14 in that second game against the air quotes Tulane team. Um, you know, and, and, and Caleb Mills had a really nice second half against the Dominican national team, finished with 18 points and I want to say eight rebounds, uh, leading the team in both. Um, uh, let's, let's see, um, Carl Scherenfahn, I thought, uh, made some really, really, uh, had some really nice moments and I think showed everybody who watched that, like, he's a guy that's going to be, like, he's going to force Penny Hardaway to make some, make some, uh, you know, force Penny to put him on the floor. Um, Ashton Hardaway, I think, uh, I think he finished the trip with the most three pointers out of everybody. Uh, you know, that, that's Penny said it, what last week or the week before when people were asking him, um, you know, like if you were going to go out and get one more piece, you know, do you, or do you feel like you've addressed all your needs this off season? And he kind of says, well, maybe, you know, if I had one more, I'd probably go get a shooter, something like that. Well, mm-hmm. he might already ha- he might already have a shooter. I mean, Ashton, like I said, he, I think he sh- I don't know what his percentage was, but I want to say he made like eight or nine three pointers over the course of the of the, uh, of the three games. And then you know, uh, Nick Jordan, I thought had some good moments. I mean, depending on what happens with DeAndre Williams, he could be an incredibly important piece uh, on this team. I think I think I think he's probably gonna. You know he's probably going to be your four if uh, if DeAndre doesn't get doesn't get the waiver. Um, and then of course David Jones. I mean he's not on this Memphis team yet, but he was rather impressive in that first game. Uh, and then the other the the bit of news or I sort of news to come out of uh, the second game was uh, Penny was talking about Malcolm Dandridge, and I guess the way you phrased it was. It wasn't what he said about Malcolm. It was how he said it. I guess, what what did you, uh, it, it seemed like the implication is that there's a very real chance uh, as as many sort of, fig, not figured, but yeah, it's never over till it's over with, a, with an East High kid. Um, what do you suspect the future is here for Malcolm Dandridge? He's still on the transfer portal market to the point that like the, the guy, like, the guys who mine the transfer portal, these like national reporters are like literally like they're confused as to what he is doing, which is very rare for them. Like he's got them fooled in terms of like they don't know what he's going to do. Uh, and typically they seem to know what these recruits are going to do ahead of time um, or transfer portal additions. But the indication from Penny you seem to imply was that you know, there's a very real chance Malcolm Dandridge is on this roster. But take us through what that interview was like and, and sort of what you took away from it in regards to Malcolm Dandridge's future at Memphis? Well, let me start by saying that ever since Malcolm got in the transfer portal, there's been, in my at least from where I sit, there's been uh, more and more writing on the wall with each passing day. I mean, he's been in the portal now for two months, it feels like, or I, I don't have it in front of me. It's It's been a while that he's been in the transfer portal and he's still not gone anywhere. And so at least from my vantage point, with every day that goes by and he's not gone somewhere else, I feel like the writing, there's more writing on the wall that, that you would think, you know, he's 
and and you know there's there's still scholarships available potentially here at Memphis. It just doesn't, you know, I've 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 not. You don't in the back of your mind, you always kind of you're leaving it open to the to the possibility that he'll be back. And so the way the the question was phrased was, you know, kind of like that. Like you know, Malcolm's still out there. You might still have a spot for him. You know, where does where do things stand? between Memphis and Malcolm and, and Penny like nodded his head uh, pretty um, demonstratively. And, and his words were uh, that still stands good. And then he even repeated himself that still stands good. That's the way that's kind of the inflection and the tone that he had when he said it. And I said, I said to him uh, at that point, I said, so it's still on the table and he said, you know, I forget the exact quote, but it was something like, um, you know, I told Malcolm that, uh, that, you know, things could work out and we'll talk when we get back sort of thing. And, um, and so, yeah, it just, it, it, it just felt like he wasn't even trying to. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. <laughs> 